Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Bench Units podcast. I am James McSorley. I'm very tired and I'm joined by number one dog dad and human dad ranking to be confirmed, Mark Schofield. How are you doing? <laughs> it's good, man. Thank you. Um, yeah, when we were about to say, do you want to intro there as we hit record, you started talking and my phone buzzed in my pocket twice and I was like, is this some kind of gimmick where he's like texting me something? So I'd be ready. Um, <laughs> do you have the thing where like we're together and your phone buzzes and you're like, okay, so he's in the room and my wife is also in the room. <laughs> Who could that possibly be? <laughs> it's like yeah. the friends joke where the door knocks and they're all in there and they just look yeah. around and they're like, we, do- we don't know anyone else. Yeah, I do have that. I have have a weird thing as well where because I think WhatsApp is just like the standard like like two buzz okay and then I very occasionally get message like either regular text message or I think I have like one or two people that I still speak to on Facebook Messenger Mm -hmm. and I have like the thing if my phone is in my pocket where if it's not like the normal buzz pattern I'm just like what is going on here (laughs) why do any of these people who aren't my WhatsApp contacts need me at this point um yeah we are not here to discuss our texting habits we are here to talk euro league because a lot happened this past weekend and we're going to try and jam some big picture stuff into roughly an hour or so so should i should have introduced you really as the champion of group a but we're not going to talk about group a immediately because i think we'll save that one and we'll get through some of the less eventful stuff first and also crucially giving out medals and trophies and presenting it like its own tournament rather than just a qualifying round of another one is nuts and i hate it (laughs) the fact that we did basically just the fact that we had to sit around and get trophies and do whatever when i'm like hey this is like someone got a bronze medal in each of the rounds which was congratulations you didn't qualify for this (laughs) (laughs) yeah it is weird it's if like the Champions Cup final is like sitting the exam, getting medals for this is like showing up to the exam on time. Here's your medal kind of thing. Yeah, pretty, pretty dumb. But yeah, no, obviously, I think people present like people put a lot of money and effort into organizing these things and they want to like get mayors of re- respective cities to come and present medals. <laughs> like, I think that's what yeah. it is. But yeah, I remember when we did uh, whichever Euroleague finals it was. <laughs> And the mayor of Sheffield was there and like told Gran Canaria they hadn't been good enough on the day or something to that effect. And it's like, that is a full team of English speakers over there. <laughs> this is excruciating. Please just be quiet. Yeah. Um, Awful stuff. Speaking of Gran Canaria, should we do Group B first? Yes. Because so, alphabetical. Uh, yeah. So Gran Canaria won that group, as I think all three of me, you, and Lee Manning called as what we thought would happen and what probably should happen. And they were just too good for everyone else. Um, Porto Torres were kind of comfortably second in both directions, I think. But yeah, just... Yeah, I I was surprised by Porto Torres, actually. They have, like, their Italian league results have been, like, really inconsistent. Um, They, like, got beaten by, like, 50 by Santa Stefano, and then they had a one-point game with Giulianova, and... I think we had the question coming into this about whether Katie Dandano would be able to play because of the whole classifications 
situation, which apparently doesn't count anyway because Chem was playing for Galatasaray. Yeah, um, I really, I don't under, I don't really understand. I think I missed that because I thought there were people who were maybe it's just I'd heard they were not classifiable internationally, yeah. and that wasn't true. Or maybe it's that it doesn't matter in Euroleague, which would be weird to me because it's IWBF. Yeah, um, but the upshot of it was Katie Dandenau was able to play. And it is a good thing she was because she was by a long way the best player not playing for Gran Canaria in the whole tournament, I think. I had a quick glance at her points totals and she, across four games, got 28, 24, 24, 24. And yeah, yeah I think I said to you and Mendel when we were talking about the groups, but I think Porteras might have finished last without her there. Um, yeah, I would think so. That's they just, they lack, they lack creation. If if it's not coming from her, like I I don't know, it's it's a telltale sign when it's like ball goes to her or at the start of the offense, she runs a pick and roll, skips it. There's an there's an open window of opportunity, it closes and the ball goes back to her to just yeah. start again. <laughs> like there's no real second side creation. So a lot of teams are set up like that. Like we are sometimes like better teams than us even are set up like that occasionally, but kind of live and die by her but she's good enough that it makes yeah. makes sense a lot of the time yeah um that was kind of the the thing for Porter is they beat Hamburg in their first game and yeah. Ramat Gan who looked relatively competitive last year have obviously lost some players because there's a couple of well there's a handful of Israelis now um in the Italian league two of which were with Portores. Uh, so Ramagan kind of not as strong and directly feeding into Portores. Uh That kid, Radi Dagerman, from the Israeli juniors and now seniors, I was very impressed by him. Yeah, um, and I think uh, we'll get onto it when we get to your group as well, but I think this is one of the things that EuroLeague has lacked a little bit in the last couple of years when it's been, you know, only the top eight or top X number of teams because of like COVID restrictions and stuff. I feel like we've not really seen the younger guys coming through yet. I feel like everybody we've watched in EuroLeague for the last couple of years has been like very established because they're obviously slimming the whole operation down. Uh, so yeah, it was cool to see him because I think that's something that has been missing. But yeah, the other couple of teams in here, not much for Hamburg really. Kaimolo was pretty good all tournament. They didn't have Mamadi Traore, who's probably their second best guy. Uh, they finished third, and yeah, Ramagan just not up to the level of the competition, really. But because there's only four teams in this group, they will still go through to a finals, which is a little bit mental to me. Um, yeah, I still don't know who dropped out. Like, was there a dropout there? Yeah, there was a, I think, the Turkish team, Mukhazy, who I think came to one of our Euro leagues back in the day, but then they weren't in it for whatever reason. Um, also, just I, like while while I'm interrupting you, uh, Traore was there. Huh? Uh, while I'm interrupting you, Traore was there. Okay, he didn't play in the first game, and I'll admit that was the only Hamburg that I watched. Yeah, um, I was going to say, I was like, I think I watched one and I had bit games from them, but yeah, he yeah. was he was there. I don't know what happened. I didn't watch that game that you did, so. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, we should caveat this whole thing by saying we normally get through like 10 games in a weekend. There are a lot more than 10 games this weekend. Yeah, also I am more behind than Mark on account of we get through 10 games in a weekend and I only play one, but I played four <laughs> this weekend. So, And also in between, like 
there was no flicking over to watch what the other groups were doing. Like I would, so Saturday I played and then the team I was playing next played in between ours. So I watched that and then my own game and then bed and then rinse and repeat. So, and then I went out and Saturday till half five in the morning and Sunday was a write off. So (laughs) I haven't seen enough. Um, Uh, Crucially the other, um, the Vienna group was live streamed and wasn't available to watch. Yeah, we'll get we'll get to that in a second. But um, the big takeaway from this one: Porto Torres are going through. Oh, Gran Canaria, we knew we're going to go through to Champs Cup um, semi-finals. Porto Torres have snuck in as the second team, and because of where you guys finished, it means you waxed about this when we had Lee on the other week about how there was going to be two Irish players in Champions Cup. We're going to get to a four-team semi-final group and we're going to have two Irish players go head-to-head at some point, assuming you both get to play against each other. Yeah, I'm so excited. Like, I don't know what the statistic... Like, I don't know how many minutes either of us are going to play when we play against each other, but I'm excited that both me and Matt Rolson are going to be at a Champions Cup quarterfinal because that feels that feels historic for my little part of the world. Um, so yeah, that's exciting. Shout out to them. It was, it's still so much fun to watch like Matt Ralston fly around at 42 odd and just have (laughs) some of the players that we talk every week about being too quick for everyone be like, what is going on? Well, I thought that all the way through this. Um, there was a race that him and Jorge Salazar got into for like a loose ball in one of the games, and Salazar was like, okay, I wasn't expecting this. Um, and we always talk about Ramone as well. And there was a point where Ramone run a layup in and Matt went to pick him back. And Ramone just looked at him and went through him anyway. And I was like, oh my God, it's happened. Um, yeah. Uh, so cool. But yeah. Um, so yeah, Grand Canaria through to Champs Cup. They'll be going to the group hosted by Alvesay. Portares will be going to the group hosted by Thuringen. Yes. And Hamburg will be going to your League One. Ramat Milan going to your League Two. Do you want to do Group A or Group C next? Um, I don't mind. Let's go Group A. Cool. Right, you're our inside track on this one. So away you go. Okay, Group A. So that was in order. That was us, Galatasaray, Lekane. Gilianova and Manchester Revolution and pretty good quality the whole way through. Um Manchester to start from bottom up, Manchester has a had a pretty tough first day. Um I think it might have taken them a little while to find their footing. And to be honest, I think Gillianova was probably the game that I thought they were gonna steal, but first game maybe wasn't yeah. ideal. Um didn't have enough. They were 50 seconds to go, they were down three, but um, got it to two and then fouled instead of playing defense. Just a couple of little lapses of concentration and away from picking that up, uh, like, can I beat the brakes off them? Because, like, can I beat the brakes off people? Because they're <laughs> just so physical, um, which we'll get to. Um, and then probably the game of the weekend in either in like any of the groups was them Galatasaray going to overtime. Yeah. Um, Martin, Martin Edwards is the absolute man. Um, hit a couple of massive ones, hit one to tie the game to bring it into overtime. And yeah, they just had a costly turnover with about nine seconds to go in overtime. To, they were down two. Um, obviously two would have tied it. I think there was probably someone open for a three to win it, but 
yeah, just unlucky. Um, hanging around with a team like everyone here, everyone in wheelchair basketball hears rumors about the money flying around in Galatasaray, and obviously Manchester being the only amateur club at that level. That's a you know credit to them. That was unbelievable to watch, but just couldn't get it done, and then. They came out first half against us and absolutely gave us the business. There was one point where they had 56 points and there was a stoppage and I turned to Marty and I was like, if you had 40, like you might have <laughs> these 50s. But yeah, just couldn't. We managed to turn it on, figure it out. And the game looked a bit more like we probably thought it should by the end of it. But no, it's great to yeah. see Manchester do pretty well and night and day between day one and day two. Yeah, I I did come away from it thinking that because they they ran Galatasaray to overtime. Obviously, um, they ran you guys close. Although it was last game of the tournament, and you guys were safe. And I don't, you guys ran out a different lineup to what you had been playing up to that point. So I think that's you certainly didn't come out guns blazing looking to put them away in the open five minutes. Uh, I think it's fair to say, yeah. But, yeah, they lost Julian over in that first game, and I think had that been slotted elsewhere in the weekend, they probably would have won that one because uh, they seemed to get better as it went on, which is particularly impressive given that they effectively, after like game one, they just resorted to playing their starting five. Um, it was like some Tom Thibodeau stuff where they were like, right, we'll just roll everybody out there. And uh, that game against Galatasaray, they didn't make a sub for the entire game, including the overtime. Um which is pretty impressive in mm-hmm. that sense that they're able to hang around. But yeah, you would have you would have expected them that being the case to drop off further into the weekend, but they seem to find it more and more. And I think they looked the game they lost to Gillianova, it was stuff like Cavanini being too big and physical with them. And then Lacane obviously ran them out by like 40. That one wasn't going anywhere. And I think they they seem to play better against the slightly more finesse teams. Calling Galatasaray a finesse team seems a bit weird, but that well, no, they're like, like, yeah, they they have certain lineups that they're more yeah. finesse, and certain lineups that they're like just smashing through people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I thought Manchester hung around for the games that they that kind of suited their style of play, but yeah, it's a shame they didn't get to steal the Gillian over one man. Um, yeah, I think if you put Gillian over Saturday morning rather than Friday morning, might yeah. be the one because second game of the day on the first day you're knackered as well, and yeah. I don't know. This that's that's obviously that's this is all weird and it's not an exact science to be like I don't know if you play these guys second rather than but that stuff matters. Like I've been in tournaments where it's mattered, and the benefit of being the home team obviously means that we just pick the best. The best games and the best times, and every, <laughs> everyone does. Like I say, yeah, we, yeah. I, I just show up and play. But like, like hosts always have exactly what they want in terms yeah. of timings. Um, so yeah, the rest of it just kind of falls where it falls, I guess. So that was pretty tough for those guys. But yeah, pretty Should pretty we... impressive. And Marty Edwards is the man. Yeah, he had a couple we... of mad ones, and I was like, what is going on here? Like, like over the weekend, I was like, this guy's going to go nuts, and he did on several points, so yeah. Yeah, we did the whole, um, we'll get to it in a second, but we did the whole Pappy getting the belt for day one thing, and then we got a message that was like Martin needs it for day two, he's had 68 combined points in two games. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but yeah, Gillian over obviously next up. Um, they looked 
they looked pretty good again in a couple of matchups. Weirdly, the Jillian over Galatasaray game just wasn't close at all. Which yeah, I think that was an that was the early one on Saturday morning, right? And yeah, yeah, Galatasaray just took it away from them. Which is, I think, games like that are proof that you can't use the idea of being like, well, Galatasaray beat Manchester by five in over or by three in overtime, and you know, Jillian over only lost only beat Manchester by this many, and therefore the difference between Jillian over and Galatasaray should be like it's way more styles of play and like individual advantages heavy than that and I think Julian over beat Manchester on talent and like experience yeah their, their young guys weren't great throughout the tournament I didn't think I thought uh Vigoda and Barbie Vibe were okay not particularly good and I think had one of those guys had a big game rather than just a string of decent games I think they maybe could have stolen one yeah. Um, more than they did, but yeah, they were also playing without Marco Stupanengo, who obviously that is damaging on the experience front. And Cavanini, although he's been around forever, doesn't get to be all the experience for everyone combined. No, no, that's it. You can only you can only really do so much as one guy. But I don't know. There were just times where they just looked a bit. And you're talking about the comparison to Galatasaray, where if you're going um, man pick and roll high point creator on one side in a pick and roll with a weaker roller sort of midpoint shooter in the middle big and a one on the weak side like if you're playing similar stuff both ways if you've got a better scorer and creator with a better roller a better guy in the middle and a bigger guy with a with um with a one on the weak side like matchup for matchup you're gonna struggle and also just the fact that I, i text you that um the first day and I referred to it as I said, happy finding out the rumors that Galatasaray had Cham and Piat and Gerbalak were actually true day because it was funny because I'd heard all these rumors of them having one or two or three of those guys. And the fact that all three of them were there was nuts. And there were times that Gerbalak played five minutes a game and times that him and Piat were in together or in sort of interchangeably and I don't know, just having that level of talent and experience to go to, although both Piat and Gerbalak are the other side of 40, obviously. Um, They've still got it. Like, there were times even in the the Manchester game against Galatasaray where Manchester would defend it pretty well and the ball would go to Piat with his backcasters on the three-point line and a spot up. And I'd be like, the problem is, like, there's times where he's just making that and you can't stop it. We we've jumped have that on the other end. We've jumped ahead to Galatasaray here, but I'll throw this in because it's basically what you described. But the Galatasaray's first game, they started with NS Bullet and um Gunaiden. I can't remember his first name. Um yeah, I don't know. They started with those guys, got about six minutes in, and then they subbed in Gobelak and Piot. And it was like, do you know? I always think of them as like luxury subs where it's almost like a mind games thing where you like look to the other coach and be like, hey, look, we don't even have to start these guys. We just bring them <laughs> in when it suits us. But that first possession they got on the floor, go like held the ball at the top for a bit. Chem came up for a pick. He swung it to Piot, who was like backcasters on the three point line. Piot held it above his head in his shooting position until Chem had established offensive rebound position. And then he shot it and it had like six bounces on the ring and dropped through. And I was like, this is 
like they're showing off, hey, I can make this shot anyway, but even if I hadn't, we'd have got the rebound. I was like, okay, everyone's in trouble at this point. Um, but yeah, we'll jump back a step because Le Canet finished third and at the very least we need to talk about the game that you guys had with them because that was sheer unadulterated madness. Yeah, well before then, um, that morning they had taken Galatasaray pretty close. They were absolutely taking it to Gala for the first half. They were up at halftime pressing the life out of them. They play um, Macek as a 1-5 and seemingly they play 4-3-5s, which they don't because it doesn't fit, but um, Toscano is a 2-5 and is massive and yeah, actually, I'm not. I'm I'm blanking on what classifications the rest of their starters are, but the just, three five three five two five are the yeah, guys they, around. Yeah. yeah, um, and they're all just rapid, like and super physical. And our game against them was a absolute scrap because obviously we are quite physical. Um, I would say as a baseline, we're a pretty physical team, and there were times that we were like, "What is happening here?" <laughs> What is going on? And some of the refing you know, in, in both directions is is not right. good. Um, it's it's really hard. Like the game's gotten way quicker as well. But there were times like in both directions, I was like, we we're getting it shafted, and also I was like, no, we're getting away with this here. Um, like we'll talk about the end game of us against uh, Lacané for an example. Like we're up to with less than a possession of time to go. We get the ball over the halfway line, dribble it about, they're trying to file file and they finally file when the clock gets to three seconds. <laughs> and it's like, hey, ref, come on. Like, because yeah. I don't know if they'd have gone much. They definitely had committed little files on purpose before then. And it's funny because we couldn't get like I felt like we couldn't get a call for 30 minutes of that game. And then we didn't want one and we didn't get it either, which is perfect. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. We we were neck and neck with it. They were taking it to us early on, and because we obviously played a lot of the weekend with four big and Mariana and yeah. that, that lineup. Like it's fairly textbook to go. Okay, four bigs. Let's press. But we we're pretty good at getting out of it. But they were so quick and so physical that we had a tough time. But. Yeah, I don't know. They had two games that they easily... Like, they could have beaten us in a different world or one-possession game, and they were up against Gala and then just kind of lost it a little bit. Like, Galatasaray started sort of just leaking out at the end of their defensive um, possessions and got a few breakaways and stuff, and Bullard ended with 29 from a lot of of layups. Um, So, yeah, they they were unlucky, but, like, I don't know. It's it's yeah. a style it's a stylistic thing, but like we certainly had a way harder time against them than we did against Galatasaray. We blew Gala out in the end, but yeah, that was an interesting. I think the bizarrely, like the weird thing I thought with your game against Lacan is your second unit kind of took it took back control to some extent. Um, so that was the one with the two fours and yourself, um, Adrian and Lucas. And Adrian, I think, subbed in, got like a steal, pushed full court and missed a layup in his first minute or so. And then you and him had a two-on-one about a possession or so later. It was literally next possession. And I like, it was one of the ones, you know, you're timing it out and they have the ball. You send it to them, they send it back, you send it back. And you're kind of just like, okay, 
you kind of figure out at the speed you're going, you're like, okay, this is his layup to take timing wise. And I was like, oh, hope he's not still thinking about the last one. But he was yeah. he was great all weekend, man. He's only he's only what, twenty, twenty one. Yeah. I should know. I see him five times a week, six times a week. <laughs> but um yeah, like we played that we rolled that second lineup out because David wasn't available and it was two twenty one, twenty two year olds. Um me and two fours um but yeah i was i was pleased because it meant i got on the floor i kept i kept saying him if you're playing well i'm playing (laughs) but um yeah but he he there was a real breakdown that you can't really see on the camera but the reason that you guys beat lacane by two was he seemed to get early position on basically the last offense and he had like had somebody picked out on the baseline for like as long as he was in the camera shot. I don't know quite what had happened to get to that point, but it was basically after looking, I had tied the game. I think I brought the ball down and it was just like a case of wait for it, wait for it. And then dump inside in a layup. Yeah. Um, he was, he had a man on his back in the corner on the baseline. I crossed to the middle for Asier. They followed him, helped to me and either forgot about Adrian or couldn't help onto him or couldn't hear help being yeah. spoken about because it was a very loud room at the time. But yeah, because he, he had blown one earlier and he was like, I have never been, I've never been crapping myself so much. On a layup. <laughs> I was like, good lad, you made it. That's all that yeah. counts. But so yeah, um, I think ultimately shout out to Lekanema. I, I look at the Galatasaray game now and I still think they probably should have won that one. I think they were the second best team there over the course of the weekend. But yeah. I think it's kind of the, uns- well, not unspoken thing, but like the known thing about EuroLeague is you can't afford to have, you know, you have one bad half in a tournament and, you know, that completely changes it, not just for you, but for the other teams that are positioning around you. And that was kind of what happened with the uh, Lacane and Galatasaray flip in spots you know yeah and on the bright side they're going to go to Euroleague one they I, I don't know who's ending up there yet but they might win it and then no one who knows about wheelchair basketball cares so you can get you can tell your sponsors that you won Europe <laughs> um you tell your sponsors that you won in Europe and they're like oh cool happy days yeah uh, I can't remember it was one of the Spanish teams I think maybe like Valladolid won Euroleague three a few years ago and had like loads of publicity as like champions of Europe <laughs> it's like come on guys yeah it's better, it's well, no, Bill, Bill Bao have done a little bit of that as well especially because we won uh and well it was when I was in Sheffield they won Euroleague one in Sheffield yeah. and you then like, yeah uh, not not Bilbao though. Um, I I was already finished playing the fifth place game, but um, they won that, and then Euroleague one wasn't played for the two years after that due to COVID. So they were just European champions for European <laughs> Cup winners for three years, which is funny. Um, although like everyone who runs a team and does the press stuff, you have to be a bit of a politician. So I, I don't begrudge anyone. And if it means you can, if it means via the league can go out and get more money and get players paid, like whatever, cool, do it. It's funny. But yeah, no, I would have thought they deserve to be, well, no, you, you deserve what you end up getting, but I would have called them to be second, but just Agreed. unfortunate the way it worked out. They slowed down. They pre- they couldn't press Galatasaray for 40 minutes and, Galatasaray not figure it out because they're full of experience and paid the price. Shall we talk Gala? 
Yes. Um, something that, a little anecdote that illustrates the sort of, the sort of talent pool that Galatasaray have is against us and against other teams, they were running a set where they'd have um, a shooter behind the two-pointer whose name I forget. Hussein uh, Dalman. Uh, Dalman, yeah. I, I'd never, I'd either never seen him before or never clocked him before, but uh, I thought he was great. Really impressed with him, man. Yeah, and so they would have Gennadyn up the middle. Uh, he'd kick the ball to the shooter, pick down, he'd be, so then he'd be behind a two-man screen. So against us, they ran it with Bullet and then they had a one and gem on the weak side, which was just like, that's a layup if you leave them two on one. So <laughs> we were just like, right, if we keep this pushed out, we can't jump it. We're just going to have to live or die by it. Someone the next day who was going to play them um, was asking me, they were like, what did you guys run against this? Because they ran it with Piot in a game we watched. And I was like, oh, we just didn't jump because they ran it with Bullet and we thought we'd, we'd better just like yeah. cut our losses there. And we sat and talked for a minute about what you could do in this, that, and the other. And we were just like, if they do it with Piat, you're kind of just dead. Like, <laughs> you just kind of turn it back into a two-man game and hope for the best. Like, I don't know. But it's just funny to be like, what did you do? We didn't jump. Oh, well, they ran it with Piat. Oh, okay. Then that is no longer an option. <laughs> Probably give up a layup somewhere. Yeah. It's, um, I thought kind of the... It was weird watching Galatasaray. They were very... Even like different lineup shifts, I felt like they were kind of between eras at any given point. Like they had the young guys there as Bullet, Gunaidin, and a Dalman, who's, yeah, as you say, has burst on the scene from nowhere and looks to be right out of the factory where the Turkish wheelchair basketball team print, print their low pointers. Um, but yeah, they had those guys. They kind of started with them in their first game. They were a little bit shaky. I don't think Gunaidin was great all tournament, but. He's, he's massive. He's I have no a, idea. Yeah, he's an hard to tell until you play against him. You're like, oh my god, yeah, this guy's a beast. He really reminds me of, and I'm probably being very stereotypical here because they both play in Turkey. But he really reminds me of um, Morteza Ebrahimi, the Iranian four-five. Okay. Uh, yeah, they they strike me as the same guy for some reason, but I think. It was a weird tournament in terms of the old guys kind of Chem I thought was really passive in the first game or two. And then Gobalak, I think I even met messaged you and was like, he just doesn't seem as furious as he's always been, and I really miss it. But I think with those old guys, they kind of have to get the blood pumping a little bit. And you kind of see it in the Gobalak goes from, as you say, playing like five minutes here or there in the first game and like shrugging at you know, coach saying you could try this, you could try that. So I think in the um, Manchester game, Chem came up to like ask him about a play and go like, mind as if he was going to backhand him, like swipe the him in fury. I was like, oh yeah, this is it. This is what I wanted. Um, I wonder. If, I wonder if it was a genuine. I'm sure it was a genuine question, but I love the idea of like uh, we've been playing together for years. I just need to ask him something that will get him. It'll get him pissed <laughs> off. It's like trying to light the fuse somewhere. Yeah. That is definitely not what went on, but it's just yeah. really funny to be like, imagine if he was like, I'm going to ask him a stupid question and he's going to be annoyed at me and then he's going to go off. Yeah, it's actually just like a tongue twister or something while those free throws go on. He's like, hey, I bet you can't say this. Um, but yeah, I thought Galatasaray were pretty good. I 
don't think I think they had different stretch of different games where their two units kind of carried them enough. I don't know if I'm thrilled that they have one unit that will solve kind of everything they might be thrown against, and I struggle to see them hanging. This is maybe an unfair level of expectation, but you look at the group they're going into with Albuquerque and Landil, and no part of me thinks, hey, they might give them a shot. No. Like, I don't think they can run and gun with either of those teams. Like, if you got into... If you got into half, I I don't want to bet on I don't want to bet against them a hundred times out of a hundred. If you get into just like a half court shootout, but it's it, you try and make it not that if you're playing against those guys and hope for the best. But it did also seem a bit like because I'd heard that some of the guys that were there hadn't been there. Like I watched a couple of the league games that I could get yeah. um get my hands on, and like Piot wasn't there, so I wonder if Piot flew straight in for this or I, I, had heard, I had heard that just we're off top of the here, but I had heard that he literally hasn't even like said hello to the guys prior to this weekend it was just like right I'll see you in Bilbao I don't know how yeah. true that is uh, th- these things are always like exaggerated I would say yeah. but I don't know there, there is a world in which like it, it kind of looked a bit like that first week back of playing with people where you're like all right so oh god no sorry i thought you were oh i forgot you want to come off that one high or oh i thought you were going to stop here or you know what i mean like there's that little bit of a lack of cohesion even though these guys have all played together before but you know there's times where you could see like someone was throwing someone else at a pass into a certain spot while they were pulling up and there's weird stuff like that but they they managed to get it done anyway didn't they which is yeah what do, you, what do you think of Bullet generally? He's so quick. Yeah. Oh my god! Because I kind of there are like there's the list of players in the world that I know I just have no chance of pushing beside, and the like anyone else who I either don't know or do. I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll give it a go. Like I can probably hang with a lot of these people in a straight line anyway. Yeah. There was like once where he just blew me out like full court, like three point line to three point line. I was like, what is happening? But yeah. he's pretty good. There's a a large period of time in the game that we played against them that they ran that set I was talking about where it turns into a double screen on the right wing beside the three-point line and he was very, very clearly just trying to draw people out. Like he was rolling towards the three-point line, looking at it and stopping and spinning back out whether we jumped at all or not. Um. So, and he's not like he can shoot them. So I wonder, like, just pull a couple is probably the move, but... He had 29 points in a game that they were losing against a very, very good team in a Champions Cup group, and so was therefore a good basketball player. Like I don't, if you're if you're playing for any of the teams that are getting to Champions Cup, you're probably pretty good. And certainly, if you're able to score 30 in a Champions Cup game, you're a good basketball player. So, no, I'm I'm impressed by him, and I think he's he's come on a lot in terms of definition of role. Maybe it helps having the older guys around, but I think you can watch like the odd game from Turkey or like the under 23 worlds or whatever it was where he's just flying around, but he yeah. looks like he's matured a good bit. Yeah. And even down the stretch against the Lekane, um guys, they went to like, there's one point where they went three man power game on the right and they were just leaving him behind the female one pointer whose name I forget. I apologize. And he like hit a couple of spot ups and then they jumped him from the baseline and he like 
took them off the dribble, went to the basket, and I was like, okay, so like, and I have gone, all right, win it for them, and he just went, yeah, cool, no worries. <laughs> so have to be a decent basketball player to do that. Yeah, right. We've kind of talked about Bilbao in you know the, talking about the other games that have all involved playing against Bilbao. But have you got anything to throw on there for the Group A champions? Um, no, Asier is the man. Papi is the man. Um, we should we should talk about because this is the over overlap of Galatasaray and Bilbao. We should have a conversation about the fact Papi had forty six because. Galatasaray's game plan was to double team Asier and leave Papi one pass away. And then when Asier subbed out, their plan was to not defend Papi anyway, even though Asier wasn't there to double team. Yeah. I, I, I'm exaggerating here, but he had 46 and he feels like, it felt like he had 36 in garbage time. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm only joking and I'm not discrediting his 46 at all. It's just really funny to be like, you had 46 and I swear. No, to be fair, there was one point me and him ran a pick and roll on the left wing when Asier came out when the game was all but over. And the way Galatasaray are defending, obviously they go like a three-two yeah. zone. Even then, it's a blitz. Like they, their two guards are on the halfway line jumping half the time. But I was on the baseline. I set a pick, and he went to throw it inside to me. And I just looked at him to be like, "No, no, 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 no! I don't want this because there were three giants on the baseline." So the next time the ball went dead, I went. The elbow's nearly always wide open. If I pick for you, come off it high and just shoot it. Like I, I don't, don't worry about finding me on the roll unless it's the like really obvious thing to do. Like, don't feed me just to try and like share the ball. Like I, <laughs> I don't want to be put into trouble in there. So I think low pointers have the thing as well, where high high pointers throw passes to places that they think you should be able to get a shot off, and I'd love them to come down to the eye level of a low pointer and just have them be like, oh my god. Can't see anything in here. How do you how do you get the ball up or kick it back out? But yeah. So he just ended up like I don't know how many shots he took in the second half of that game, but No, I don't I think most as, of them. as a general rule, if you're looking to defend Bilbao, you should know that Asier is almost always gonna be the guy racking up the assists and that Papi's been their top scorer up to this point. Maybe don't leave those two guys with a very clear passing lane and then Pappy with an open shot is <laughs> like you would think that would be step one on the game plan, but apparently not. Yeah. It's as if they kind of did the opposite of what every team has done with us since the beginning of time. Um I don't know. But yeah, Pappy went off because Pappy is great. He's the yeah. man. Um also, I, I think a Turkish team that doesn't a Turkish team that kind of goes, okay, we're gonna give up very little 45 degree in baselines, but the elbow's all yours. Yeah. Kind of suited for an Italian forward to be like, all right, cool. No worries. This the is what I want. Is, he like yeah. banked a couple off one dribble from the elbow. And I was like, oh, he's going to have a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, all stars for group A. So I was only one call off, which is a bit annoying, but all stars were Andre Macek of Lacane. It was then Dalman of Girls Hasrai, Christophe Carlier of Le Canet, and then it was the two fours from Bilbao in Asier and Papi. Sure. How, how you... Is there anything you would have changed there? Because I think they got it pretty good. Your shot was Barbie by instead of Carlier for the three spot, right? Yeah, yeah. I generally go with the idea that first place gets two, and then the other places that qualified get a guy each, and whoever finishes last doesn't get one, which 
Martin would have had a case if they'd won a single game, but yeah. Um, but yeah, but I think Bowie was good, not amazing. I also think Carlier was good, not amazing. So I don't have a massive gripe with this, but I think the other three were pretty cut and dry. Sorry, yeah. the other four were pretty cut and dry. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Cool. No issues. Because um, like you can, there's no. I don't think there's a world in which you can just choose one of our fours. Like yeah. no, well, they're codependent virtually, aren't they? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's about it. I, yeah. Cool. Oh, we didn't go through the All Star Five for the first group we spoke about, did we? Yeah, let's do that. So I think they got it. Yeah, I think they nailed that one. So it was Alexi Ramone and Jorge Salazar of Gran Canaria, Katie Danano and Riley Dagerman of Porto Torres. And then, is it Anne Patsfeld? Is that the... Yeah, Anne Patsfeld. Um, yeah, I think they nailed that one. Um, there, is a, there is a discussion to be had a lot of the time of like going over, going for like an over points with female one lineup just to fit players in, but like in this case, like she's good for Hamburg, and this is actually probably about right anyway. The All Star Five just has to be the best representation of the tournament. I think I'm not generally mad on them trying to jig the points because you're never going to have to roll this team out because it's theoretical. But yeah, I think this one covers the tournament off well enough that yeah, so be it. Um, also, yeah. shout out to Katie Danano for being the only. Okay, then now and um and Pat Spelt for being the only women selected across the the three of them. That was pretty cool to see. Yeah. Okay. All right. Last group. Yeah. Um little precursor to this, we're gonna hold off talking about probably the most anticipated game being Illunion and Landil, because this week is guest week and we are gonna secure a guest for that very purpose. We so sure that, hope so. Yes, we will. So it might be Hasso and it might be in Spanish and it will be of no use to anybody. <laughs> He's working on his English. His English uh, is great now, I've heard. So he tells me in Spanish. <laughs> but yeah. No, uh, I think it is actually getting better. It would need to be if he can understand um, an Australian, an Englishman from Lee and an Englishman from Redcar. That's fair. Yeah, so we're going to skip over that game, um, but we'll go bottom up again. So the hosts, Interverting Coloplast, Sitting Bulls, Shout out to them for no other reason than after they did dodgy streaming all weekend and the videos were only available live, we got in touch with them to see if the videos would be available to us, the reputable media outlet that we are, and they've made that happen. So if you're listening to this, um, by the time you're hearing this, there'll be a Substack post that should have those videos available for anyone who wants to watch that stuff back. So go check that out. So we only got that like an hour ago, so yeah. I haven't watched because these games were all live, so I didn't get a chance while playing Euro Cup to watch any of them back. So I haven't watched more than a couple of minutes of any of this Europe League yet because I couldn't. So apologies, but also not really because <laughs> I had an actual job to do. So, yeah, um, St. Bulls finished last. They... We're in a not dissimilar boat to what Manchester in with Group A, where they're not an amateur team, but it's predominantly built on local guys. And then there's a couple of imports here and there. Um, and that just wasn't going to cut it with the standard of some of the teams that were coming here. Um, even Mo, who aren't the strongest team in France, never mind Europe generally, 
yeah. I think you can really tell when it's gathered talent from afar rather than who is available to you. And you could say, well, Sitting Bulls is the majority of the Austrian men, but I don't think that really helps their case <laughs> at all. No, it's not, 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 not like the back strongest in the wheelchair basketball nation, unfortunately. Yeah, it's not, not like back in the day when you used to be like, well, Santa Lucia only have like a couple of imports, but it's like the whole Italian men's team and the imports are Sofia and Adolfo Badoon. <laughs> it's a very different thing to what singles have got going on here. Um, but yeah, I thought it was an interesting one. Three and four was weird because we obviously knew that the top two was going to be Alunion and Landil in one order or another. Um, the Santa Stefano and Mo game um, to establish who finished third and fourth was kind of a low-key blowout where it was 75-70 in Santa Stefano's favour. Um, and yeah, it felt like Mo should have hung around a little bit more for that one than what they ended up doing, but yeah, I don't know if this is, again, like we talked about with Lacanet, I don't know if this is more of like a stylistic thing, where um, the San Stefano, you know, the way they attack games and break people down is just it's kind of built to sniff out weaknesses, I think. And Mo obviously play with a couple of low pointers out there at all times. And they rely on those guys offensively, but they then have to, you know, compensate for that defensively. And they've got outside of the Aussies and a couple of the other foreigners they've got, and they're predominantly an older team as well. So I imagine that being the circumstances, San Stefano are the last team you want to see. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's a thing of like, I don't know, you can have the quality to just outplay a Santa Stefano, but like if they're able to drag you into the sort of sort of fight they want to be in, you're in trouble. But yeah. Yeah. I think they were the, the very clear third team, weren't they, as you say. Like Yeah, it, like you said before, in both directions, I think that was Santa Stefano were kind of very much in a tier of their own because they were talented enough to inflict their style of play on the lower two teams and not talented enough for it to really matter against the top two. Yeah, it's like, can you be talented enough? Well, that's not something you can like change in a day if you don't have it. Or the alternative is like, can you game plan your way into just keeping like keeping it on the sort of on the plane you want it to in terms of like can you just run and gun for 40 minutes and then the thing is the teams above that can go, well, no, hold on a minute. Let's yeah. slow it down here. Let's put the ball in this guy's hands and you can't do anything to stop it. But yeah. Yeah, because I think when we spoke to Lee the other week, it was kind of like a trendy pick amongst the three of us to be like, can San Stefano upset Ilunion? It's like, yeah, they can keep it at about 10 for most of the game. Is <laughs> like really what it turned out to be. Um, yeah. They can keep it, well, it's not even, they keep it at 10 as much as, like, Alunion are like, oh, okay, 10, 10 will do us, like, arm's length, and then anytime they bring it closer, I don't know, once again, I haven't seen these, like, it'd be really shocking if me talking about a game that I haven't seen sounds too much like what watching a game I have seen, but <laughs> um, I'm more, I'm, yeah, I'm so, like, I just talk about process all the time anyway, so it doesn't really matter what actually happened in my head, but yeah. We'll see. We'll, we'll we'll see these games, and we can have a chat about it. But yeah, yeah. Santa Stefano, 
good enough to hang around, not good enough to make a difference for those two teams. Yeah, and I think um, one thing I did find interesting was the one of the earlier games in the weekend on that front was uh, the Stefano and Illunion game. Um, and it was kind of Tom and Neil Thorne came to life a little bit. And we've kind of talked about, you know, Illunion have kind of jigged their lineups and not quite found the balance yet. And I genuinely did. Tom had a big game and then obviously a big game against Landil as we'll get to at some point. But um, I was like, for Tom, is this, hey, San Stefano play rough and tumble and that's how he wants to play. The Sitting Bulls arena is crazy loud and like filled with drums and people for him to heckle and there's a whole bunch of Aussies at this tournament. I was like, is Tom just feeling at home enough that he's like, right. <laughs> <laughs> that was the three things I thought might be the factors. Um but yeah, I mean, San Stefano, going back to that game, their advantage is generally like pummeling people with a spread of size. And even though their biggest guy, uh, Enrico Ione, is a giant by any standards, that only goes so far when you've got two giants to contend with on the Illunion side. Yeah. But I think you look at like Sabri Bedzet is their primary initiator and he has to do a lot of his work not really relying on like being jumped as a shooting threat, but like, you know, little jams and drives and trying to split gaps and stuff. And it's so difficult to play to reliably play that way against Illunion when they're happy for the guards to just be over aggressive and funnel you into the bigs. Yeah. Um, There's a thing of like just playing with absolute like fury and just trying to like break through walls to create advantages. Like if you're playing against a really good team, there's a lot of discipline. You don't get a lot of that stuff. Like that's one of the things I noticed with like going back two groups ago. Um, like there's stuff that wouldn't work against the really good teams in any league that would work against as soon as you get to like a Porta Torres who just like every so often someone just slips up and two like both players jump or you call for a triple switch and you yeah, leave the baseline guy open rather than the guy who goes high. Just a load of stuff like that where it's like the good teams just don't do that stuff. So if you're just like if you're just pressing and pressing and pressing to see if they're going to like let up at any point and like slip up and give you easy stuff, you just don't get it. So then you're broken down into, all right, go ahead. Can you actually create with skill level and then the different shows? Yeah. And we say all of that, but um, you jump over to the stats for the San Stefano and Landil game and Sabri put up 31 <laughs> against Landil. So yeah, the, that's a pretty disciplined team over there, and he was still able to make an impact to a pretty significant extent. That was an 18-point game there, so that I think those two results are like really indicative of where San Stefano are, right? Like you said, the, the better teams can keep them at arm's length. Um, but yeah, they weren't... You know, it wasn't for lack of trying on their part, and Landil needed 35 from Tommy Boma to get them over the top against San Stefano. So it's certainly not a, um, you know, just roll out of bed and get this game looked after kind of situation there. But yeah, it's a weird thing. I think this San Stefano model has realistically hit the heights that it will ever get to. Like they, they were at their best when they had Sofiane and then Jordi and like overlapping and then, one after the other kind of thing, but since Jordy's left, they just don't have enough consistent shooting to really give them another dimension, and I think that was really on show. 
yeah it's like it's I, I talk about shooting and i talk about creation sort of interchangeably and there are people who can do one and not the other and there's a lot of people who can do neither but like can you do one and then therefore the other and Jordi Ruiz can because Jordi Ruiz is great but like kind of lacking it apart from that yeah right so Santa Stefano finished third they will go to Euro Cup one Mo will go to Euro Cup two finals and that leaves us with our top two who will try and briefly cover off without giving any of the secrets away and crucially, we get Lickin A Santa Stefano in Euroleague one, and I'm gonna clear my schedule out to watch that. I might, I might drink like five Red Bulls before I watch it and have a heart attack. It's gonna be unbelievable. Let's go. I hope, I, I hope it is. Imagine if it was like very clearly just not what I thought it would be, and it's like a twenty-seven point. Uh, I think it is like. I think it's. Is this what... is this Portland Denver? Maybe. Which is, uh, if anyone has listened to us for long enough, that's our reference for before Denver were the best team in the NBA this year, bar one or two, maybe. Portland, Indiana was our, um, that was our thing, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And they were just two, like, seventh or eighth best teams in each conference, but <laughs> just more fun to watch than the two best teams. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, yeah, so that's going to happen at some point. It's going to be absolute mayhem and if any team tries to get in the way of that being the early one finals i'm gonna travel out there and rig the whole thing to make sure it happens well it's whoever's third in each of the champions cup quarterfinal groups might have something to say about it that's probably you guys as well realistically yeah maybe (laughs) i tell you man if you mess this up for me Are you going to try and sabotage one of your own games so you get to watch San Stefano? And All at- I'm saying is I hope whatever semi if we have to play one of them in the semi-final, I hope it's the second one so I know where to place the team that we're playing. <laughs> I definitely won't play to sabotage like to sabotage this and also no one who actually cares can play to lose. <laughs> I like to think you could sabotage your team without having to play. Um, yeah, and the last two <laughs> In Group C, Illunion finished top and Landil finished second. This was courtesy of a 10-point Illunion win, which we... Was that game 65-55, or have I made that up? No, that was 65-55. If you told me that this game was 65-55, I would have bet my life on it being because Landil just choked the life out of it. Yeah. um, And once again, I have not seen this game yet. Yeah, it's it's a weird one, man. I thought... We'll not get into it too much, but I think Illunion landed the first punch and it kind of went from there. Um, I don't think Landil ever really recovered, but obviously both of these teams beat the lower down seeds in pretty convincing fashion. Um, There's not really a whole lot to analyse by talking about their games against Stefano Mo and Sitting Bulls. You know, that they were very much there to play each other. And I think... People on both sides of that will tell you that, um, you know, it's just another game and it maybe doesn't matter all that much just yet. But I think this was about as good of a measuring stick as either of these teams has had up to this point in the season, maybe discounting their closest local rivals. But yeah, I thought we now get the split where Illunion are going to be going to Thuringen and Landil are going to be going to Albacete. So Lee did get his wish in saying they wanted to play Landil. Nice one. Um, Should we do the All-Stars for this? uh, Sure. Okay, so this was under points, which I always think is funny, but I think it's better than it being over points. Yeah. 
So of Illunion, we got Greg Warburton and Tom O'Neill Thorne. Of Landil, we had Yannick Blair. San Stefano, we had Sabri Bezzetti. And Mo, we had Audrey Cayola, Cayola, however you say Cayola, I've heard. Um, so yeah, that was 11 and a half points. But I actually do think, I think Mo needed somebody. And I don't know if any of their high pointers are more important to what they do than what Audrey Kyle is, as his shooting as a one and a half. Yeah. So I'm perfectly fine with it. And if people don't like it being under points, then have a word with the high pointers who have all this ceiling in the world with which to play better than their low point counterparts. Yeah. Um, as I say, like, because this it hasn't been available to watch back until an hour ago in our minds. Um, I can't tell you if I disagree or not, but I have good basketball players who, like, if you were like, yeah, these guys all deserve to be all-stars, I'd be like, yeah, you're right, cool. But also, by the time I watch this, there's no point disagreeing with it. So, no. yeah, we're... congrats to those guys. Audrey Kyle getting an all-star in that group is class to me because I remember seeing him play years ago, and it was just like, why would I dribble off this pick when I could just shoot it? <laughs> <laughs> and I just love that. Yeah. No, he's the man. Um, yeah. he, he shoots the ball like it weighs nothing. <laughs> yeah. So quick, isn't it? Uh, I was always really fascinated by him as a one and Abdi as a one. The fact that both of them only have the mission in life to shoot the ball when they catch it, and yet it's so different. Like, Abdi's is the big, slow, like, wind-up that looks like he's taunting the defender, and then Kyle is, like, taunting the defender by being like, oh, it's gone. What are you going to yeah. do? Um, yeah, I thought he was as good as he's been for a very long time now. And I think I genuinely think people like watching him shoot the ball. And that's probably what gets him into these all-star five positions, but I'm very much okay with it. Yeah. I like it too. Fair enough. So I, I think the biggest things come out of group C of your league is San Stefano will try and sign Audrey Kyle. Cause they're like, Hey, you're a low and you can shoot. Hey, we need someone to slow us down a little bit, but <laughs> shoot the ball. Um, yeah, that'd be a cool one. I did have that thought there. I was like, hey, what's the best team that could pick Audrey Kyle up as a 1-5 and get better? But no, but then I realized the answer to that is then being negative about people who are currently on teams, and that's not what we're <laughs> here for. Yeah, we'll take um, that off the podcast. Right. Shall we get out of here? Uh, Yes. All right, cool. Thank you very much for listening. And yeah, we'll be back with an episode on Thursday, hopefully with someone who can talk to us about this Illunion um, Landale game, which up until an hour ago was like that Team USA scrimmage from 92 that everyone talks about. You just have to believe was a good game. But yeah, yeah. looking forward um, to it. Yeah, failing that, everybody check the substack for the links that should let you get to the videos we're talking about. And we will be back very soon. Yes. Take it easy. All right. Thanks. Bye.